Hey, so this episode, we, we're trying something slightly different. We're, for now, we're calling it the Dumb Dive Literature Club. And uh, I've recently got into reading a lot more again. And recently finished a book that was insanely interesting. And when I was talking to you about it, you said that it's one of your favorite books as well. And there's just a lot, I think, to discuss. And uh, if you look at the title of this podcast, you probably know, but it's uh, Illusions, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Buck. And what a fascinating book, having just finished reading it. It's it's just a great story, honestly. Like more than more than anything else, it's it's one of those stories which you can keep reading back. So, mm-hmm. so uh, so my introduction to illusions, like I, it's it's one of my favorite books, like I've told you before. And so this and another book by Richard Bach, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, they're like two of my favorite books of all time. Like I can read them whenever, and I know I'll enjoy it. And I learned something again and again. But both of these books were introduced to me by dad. So so it was one of those things where once I reached the age of 16 or something, he's like, oh, Pranav, you should maybe read one of these books. You might, you might enjoy it. So I picked it up uh, and like I read through it and I love, I love the, the writing style and just the kind of story, the language used, the images, all of that. Um, yeah, dude. Illusions is a phenomenal book. I don't, <laughs> I, I love shilling it. It's just a great book. Yeah. And disclaimer, if you haven't read this and uh, you plan to read this, uh, we will be getting into some of the details of what the book covers. But the thing is, this is the sort of book where it's not like uh, a gripping murder mystery or something where knowing what is actually discussed in the book is really going to affect that much because like uh, we've said it is very it has a lot of like re-readability it's uh, even if you know a lot like everything that's going to happen in the book just reading through it and like processing some of these uh, interactions between the main characters uh, in the book uh, as a reader can really uh, allow you to introspect and learn a lot so I think like that makes it sort of like even if you haven't read the book uh, even after this uh, listening to this I think it would be uh, really cool for it to pick pick it up and and go through it yourself as well. Yeah because I mean so the the way or I won't even say the way I read illusions but these books are written in this amazing style where it's literally what you take away from the story what you take away from interactions me when when i read it at 16 i took away a whole host of different things than when i read it at 21 it's it, it it's just i i won't i i don't want to say the word deep because that's been um <laughs> absolutely ruined by internet culture <laughs> but but it, it it really is one of those books where there's there's this endless depth of just you can find something new to apply to your life you can find something new to like read into interactions or like into into certain metaphysical things that the book talks about and like we'll get further into depth in all of these but yeah just they're they're amazing books and there's a there's really quite a lot to talk about when when i when we bring them up but yeah why don't you why don't you tell me like what you liked about illusions or yeah (laughs) what was your experience yeah so so the thing is i have i don't typically read uh books that are like that get into like the preachy space of like trying to give life advice and those kind of things yeah yeah. uh i just gone to the library uh i recently got a membership at a library around the corner and just picked two random books before i went on a, a short vacation and this happened to be that book it just for some reason it just looked fascinating i saw that there were four copies of it at the library i assumed that must mean that it must be a book that's really worth reading. Mm. Uh, I know, uh, just going with the crowd, but still, uh, <laughs> it made me just like I've, I've I'd never heard of the author, I'd never heard of the book, so I just picked it up and read it. And then, like when I sent you a picture of it, you're like, "Oh, I love that book. It's my favorite book." Then it really got me interested yeah. before I even started reading. Uh, and when I read it, it's just it it's a very fascinating style that the author uses. So mm. the 
there's a story of two main characters as Richard the narrator and Donald Shimoda uh, Shimoda person he meets yeah and uh it's like every single interaction that these two main characters have uh has an intention and a sort of like uh self encapsulated sort of message that's not like it's not being forced down you like an like in the aesop's fable and you have like a uh, moral of the story is be nice to your friends or whatever like that yeah it's more of they are discussing a certain topic about how uh, the author and through like what he thinks of the like donald shimoda sees the world and how he's like giving that information to the narrator uh so think like it's just like very different perspective of the world that uh he's just doing his own thing he is happy just like being able to do whatever he wants to do and he's trying to convince like like everything is sort of like uh an illusion it's like your universe it's your decision to choose what you want to do with it or how you want to feel with everything that happens around you and a, a, a lot of uh, i mean i'm just like simplifying it a lot yeah. at this point <laughs> we will get into a bit more of the details but it's just like uh every interaction there's a few like there's this book that is handed over to the narrator called the messiah's handbook and in that there's just like like these insanely quotable uh, me- uh like single line phrases that come up in through the book and their relevance to what the narrator is thinking about at that point makes you also think about that with reference to your life so even though you're you're reading a story between two people you're constantly constantly relating that with your own life uh not all fictional books uh, so to speak do that and self help books uh tend to be too preachy because they're clearly saying you should live your life like this you should do this you should do that yeah i think so the reason i really really loved illusions and jonathan livingston seagull i kind of i i i kind of always almost always um club them together because they're very similar books in that the stories are kind of different um but but they're definitely in the category of self help so richard bach is a fairly well known author um i don't know i don't know like how popular or anything i don't think he's up there with like the jeffrey archers or whatever but he's definitely a fairly well known author in like this kind of sphere um but a lot of his self help books aren't um what we would traditionally think of as self help in that you know um the stories have a very clear moral or they set out certain rules or paradigms for you to live your life by or try and like inculcate instead they're like the parab- they're like the parables um that we read when we're growing up in that these are stories about things that people have done or interactions that people have had but you can read them or understand them in ways that suit your personal way of living and it's yeah. all about finding out your identity what makes you you know you and then like trying to like figure like it it sounds very much like what other self help books try to do but it's done no but i think like to put it into perspective for using a more popular example yeah. i think it's very similar in a way to the little prince leopardy prince yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just so. in the way that it's it's a fictional almost like fantastical world uh and you're looking through the eyes of this character who has a very different perspective of life uh i'm assuming mm-hmm. compared to you the reader or in in this book the narrator yeah. as well uh and just by looking at that completely different way of looking at things you start to question a lot of things about your own uh mindset priorities perspectives and i think that that book does it well which is why it is so popular but mm-hmm. although it is like almost it like that book is even more accessible because it's almost written like a children's book but still there's a lot of things uh for adults to learn uh this book is is not really something that a kid would like but they could read yeah. it the language is not complex there's nothing crazy going on in it but uh it's just something that like you said like if you were to read it at different part- times in your life 
uh, you'll pick up different things about w- something related to your current situation yeah i th- i think the reason i kind of went on that self help spiel is that it's really difficult to separate what makes these books very different from those other self help books like ikigai and um, um the subtle art of not giving a frick and you know those kinds of books mm. um it's it's very difficult to separate out what really sets you know illusions and the li- the, the the little prince and like some of these other books that i really like which are in the self help category but don't necessarily follow the same method of delivery of the message you know right um but yeah it it's just for me the big draw was the fact that these stories like at each point in your life you will have someone you hold as you know your donald shimoda you'll have someone who you look up to or think how are they doing that how are they like how are they achieving what they're achieving how are they doing what they're doing um you know yeah. maybe as a kid it's your dad maybe as a teenager it's certain professional idols like maybe a certain musician or an athlete maybe once you're 24 or 25 it's you know some of your peers who you see oh they they're doing this in their job in this way how do i apply that to my work or you know oh they they've gone about this essay for this subject in this way i'm not taking the same module but what can i take from that paper in terms of structure or whatever like there's certain aspirational bits that change as we grow older and rereading it with those changed priorities with like changed responsibilities it opens up mm. so much more and these are quite genuinely philosophically dense books as well <laughs> like i yeah. i i'd li- i would I'll definitely get into it a little later but like there's a lot of really good philosophy happening in there which is very different I found from other self-help books where it's not as much philosophy proper it's more philosophy common okay and I'll get into I think before before we get too deep into it, let's yeah, yeah. give a uh, overview, overview of yes. the story <laughs> a summary as uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, like I mentioned earlier you have uh the narrator richard i assume he's writing as himself as the author mm-hmm. because the author is also richard bach uh and you have this character donald shimoda who is introduced as basically the reluctant messiah from the title right uh he is he i, I don't even know how to describe this like, i feel like you might have a better way of put, uh, putting this if you want to go go ahead um he, he's so donald shimoda the way he's introduced to richard bach or, or the way he's introduced in the book is just some guy he meets in an airfield or some guy he meets it, not even in an airfield in like a farm in the middle of nowhere and they're just kind of meeting for the first time and hanging out and it, and the thing is like immediately they start talking as if they've known each other like forever uh yeah. like i think the first thing i don't remember the exact words but donald schmo's first words i've been waiting for, uh, waiting here for a while for you where have you been yeah. uh, something along those like, lines i'm sorry I, for uh, sorry for being late yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like I, i like he doesn't even realize what is just happening just like gets right into it yeah and i think it's it, so for me the the beginning of the book honestly just grabbed me because how often do you hear a book start off with that kind of opening where it's like a character just says i've been waiting for you for a long time usually the protagonist you know it, uh, who is the the reader's surrogate um mm-hmm. is kind of like oh i don't even know you or huh you know they're surprised but here he's like Good. oh i'm s- like he rolls with it maybe as a joke maybe as just like oh that's a great way to start a conversation kind of thing but like he <laughs> rolls with it and he's just like ah sorry for making you wait Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> what's for dinner kind of thing <laughs> yeah it's 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 a great opening and just like you immediately feel the rapport between them as characters mm. from like the get go yeah and yeah it just keeps developing so yeah um go on like since you so did it recently yeah so so the so the messiah bit uh it's a bit uh like that's the almost like otherworldly aspect of the story where uh after like through conversations richard learns more about donald shimoda and we also uh read about it in different ways the author introduces it to us that this guy donald shimoda was basically selected as a messiah uh like 
just share, like the he has ability to to do miracles and uh people like flock to him and uh get cured of crazy of of illnesses and he can do like all sort of your typical miracles uh walk on water f- like Please levitate objects and all of th- yeah yeah those kind of things uh but the thing is uh given like he was given uh like the sort of uh I, he was basically asked to be uh, a messiah and he just says i quit and decided to uh leave that sort of like that that pathway of life and decide to become an airplane mechanic uh and richard's character is also a person who uh flies and maintains his own airplane and gives people rides on it uh and he was just like when he meets this other guy who's doing essentially the exact same thing that itself was a surprise cuz he was like who on earth else would be actually doing this and that was uh, that in a way that was one of one connecting point for these two characters yeah and i think so so like let's just talk about the entire messiah aspect right cuz i think yeah there's there's a few ways to look at what the idea of the messiah means in this book so right. one is you know the the traditional messiah thing which is an allegory for like the jesus tales and so on um it's basically someone who we would consider a regular human being but doing absolutely extra extraordinary things yep and um you know in that they're trying to be altruistic they're trying to put themselves out there in the most selfless way mm. in the sense that It, their identity their identity is reduced to someone who does these things and not mm. full and therefore is not fully human mm. um so there's there's like a jesus allegory for that which is one way of reading it the other is i think what what is probably more applicable to our lives in that we have all come across insanely talented people who you know who we think they're absolutely extraordinary they can do things that you know we as us or or just us in the same field yeah. didn't think of or aren't able to achieve at the same level yeah they And they make the things that you struggle towards uh seem really easy yeah. and 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 more often than not when you ask them for help they take the role of a messiah in that they show you the the exact yeah. way to go about it and if you don't understand it there's really not much else they can do mm. in, in the sense like yeah they can walk you through it but if you don't get it out right they're like but see this is how we look at things this is just our approach and like there's <laughs> surely not much we can do other than tell you like yeah this is our approach this is like the logic like like just to give an just to give an example right like when mm. i was learning uh computer science in 11th and 12th and i was trying to learn coding i, I mean i had to cram at the end of it but there was a, there was a, there was a bit of time where i was sitting with my aunt who also works in programming and stuff and i was trying to learn how to code a stop clock using nothing other than like cpu and gpu flops mm. so i was using that as the thing and like i found a way to do it it didn't make sense to me though so i like asked my aunt to explain it and she got it immediately and she was mm. trying to explain it to me and like i just didn't get the logic behind it and she was like but see there's nothing more i can do because i've explained the logic behind it from my perspective and this yeah. is how i would do it but like if you don't understand it there's really not much more i can do <laughs> to help you yeah. out with this logic <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's a bit of a reductive example but in the same way there are messiahs in this sense who who look at things in a completely different way and like they try and help us out right that that's one way mm. of looking at it um and it, it's it's just such an interesting i i, I won't even say metaphor but su- it's such an interesting device that he uses throughout the book where yep. the the fundamental claim is that they are no different from us mm-hmm. at all like that's the fundamental claim throughout every chapter every page of the book they they are not really that different there's loads of them everywhere yeah uh, everyone's the, a messiah that, <laughs> and the fact that uh, basically it can be taught or learned 
uh, it's hard to describe teaching and learning although they have a very good way to describe uh, teaching and learning itself where I, like i'm just going to quote from the book yeah uh, it's a learning is finding out what you already know doing is demonstrating that you know it and teaching is reminding others that they know just as well as you you are all learners doers and teachers uh i think that this itself is like of like sort of like throw it like completely turning over like how most people look at teaching and learning as like mm-hmm. uh you, you know like an up like top to bottom type approach where the teacher knows more than the learner and they have to share until the learner uh learner's knowledge increases mm-hmm. yeah uh, it, this this honestly it reminds me of um, this thing i read about so um in in um, in the in the thing of like learning language i think um i i think it was chomsky who came up with the idea of innate um learning mm. in that uh so the way I, i think the way he says it is everyone is born with like this innate knowledge of language itself and all we learn growing up is how to codify these structures into certain languages but as a kid we we are we just inherently know all language structures and we just get used to certain structures over others as we keep growing up and socialized and so on um so so i think like we can use this this innate language theory as a way of like this this teaching learning and doing metaphor right like it, it correlates yeah. so well like again see each part of this book the more you read up the more you have other things to bring into it the more it gives you like they're amazing books i i don't know man <laughs> yeah and also like when 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 they talking about teaching learning all of these it's like of course there are like safe like exist like very specific facts or words mm-hmm. or like 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 some sort of details that you just might not know so it's not really reminding you that like teaching isn't really reminding you that you know that but it's more of when you distill a certain uh process r- related to your life whether it's language or just the way you live your life like your general outlook at what your life is at what you want to do with your life those are the sort of things especially that he is distilling with the, with these lines as like uh it it's stuff that you innately kind of do know and it's yeah. just like if you have a teacher for that like say uh donald shimoda in this case is just a person who is allowing you to explore that part of yourself until you sort of like are comfortable with what you want to do and really like at balance with yourself uh in that way so yeah. that's that's the way i processed when i read read this especially in context of where it came in the book mm. yeah i mean again i think so so i think it's it's good that we have two perspectives on these things because i've read the book so many times i bring a lot into it from outside whereas yep. since you've read it for like the first or maybe second time you're still very much within the confines so it's easier for you to read into it that way you get what i mean mm-hmm. yeah like yeah for bringing, sure you're not bringing loads from the outside you're like taking from the inside to the outside whereas i'm bringing from the outside to the inside just within the context of the book itself yeah and i don't really know anything like be, uh, beyond this about mm-hmm. uh philosophy theories yeah. about where a lot of other thinkers look at life or things like that it's just yeah. like you know casual things that i would hear uh from you know your typical gurus and uh yeah, famous yeah. like like speeches and stuff like that i yeah so to in a way this was a relatively new experience of 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 processing uh uh i don't know just thoughts in this way yeah I, and i think so so just to continue on so so basically they meet in a field and like he so richard the narrator kind of realizes that oh this guy is also just giving out rides for free so why don't we do it together it's always better to travel as a pair because then you have some company over dinner and it's always nicer you know just the social aspect right so mm-hmm. 
so then they do trips ar- around various farms they give people rides and he sees shimoda do these miracles where there are no insects on his wind windshield a uh, windscreen and like no insects on his props the propellers on the plane and so on um and like there's this um there's this guy who's um, paralyzed from the waist down and he comes up for a ride and shimoda's mm. like yeah just get on the plane and this guy just gets up and walks onto the plane Mm-hmm. and like you know shimoda shimoda takes him for a ride and that's like that's one of those things where it's very clearly a reference to jesus healing one of, healing the sick yep. yeah but like it like it, it keeps he keeps playing into this entire allegory right mm-hmm. and it's it's um it's a lovely i, I won't say subversion really but it's a lovely new take when Shimoda is shown to be as human as the rest of us because he gets angry at the narrator a little later. So so Richard's like, "Teach me these miracles." And Shimoda's like, "Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know how to teach you these miracles. You already know them. Like you literally just already know them." Yeah, and there's like uh, certain other things that uh, Richard would uh, ask about and uh, yeah. Donald kept getting angry that Richard keeps thinking about things in a very linear fashion of uh like the present and the future as being like one thing yeah. and he's like why do you assume that the me that i live like the like the what i am your... is only existent in this space at this time yeah. like that is such a uh, like gross assumption about me like how uh, how did you come to that and and it's just like i don't even know what you're talking about at this point <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so i mean since i said i club jonathan livingston siegel and illusions together there's another quote in jls um at the very end of the book so so jonathan's about to like transcend or whatever to, he's about to go to another plane and one of his followers is like i'll miss you so much and uh, jonathan's like oh have i not taught you anything we vanquished we vanquished time so all there is is now we vanquished space all there is is here between here and now don't you think we'll meet again a few more times and right. it, it, it's very similar in in like the the, yep. the general vibe you know which is like have i not taught you anything time space all of this is like yeah there are certain things that we like to take as objective fact Yeah. but time and space are still very much relative uh either to your perception or to you know certain biological facts you know it's still very much relative though time for us mm. works very differently than it would work for an for um, a mouse or an elephant you know yeah. but yeah i mean it, it, there's so there's so much man <laughs> there's so much we can okay. talk about yeah but yeah, yeah so like there's yeah. one topic that i want to get into with you Yeah. is that there is this uh like when when uh, Donald's trying to teach Richard how to do these miracles mm-hmm. essentially right like uh, they he teaches him how to walk on water and walk through land basically like sink into uh, earth and do a bunch of other things like yeah. i think uh, at some point they're floating wrenches and stuff like that floating so, wrenches creating music yeah. out of nowhere yeah so the at least the the direct way that i took this is that uh perception and experience is sort of like it's like your decision uh mm. on what you're really perceiving and experiencing and it's also just like you have almost complete control over uh how you decide to perceive things what you decide to experience and a lot of yeah things along those lines so i just wanted you as well to like what those miracles and the implications of it mean um, so like i said i i kind of bring a lot into this right so for me whenever i read whenever i read those lines over the past couple of years um i look at it through the lens of um, metaphysics and philosophy of perception so this is how i break it down right like the so there's a scene where shimoda is like oh you know what's the difference between water and land you it's it's literally up to you you can walk on lo- you can walk on water just as easy easily as you walk on land you can swim through land as easily as you walk on water it's it's just all about how you frame things 
so in philosophy of perception there's the the idea of in- intentionality um i think so again philosophy of perception two big schools one is the the kind of idealist look where everything is mind dependent so there is there's technically no external world it's just how we process things versus mm. versus an external realist kind of view internal realism versus uh, sorry internal idealism versus external realism those are the two that's like the two big schools idealism is everything is mind dependent realism usually says no there is definitely something out there it can still be dependent on the mind in some senses but there is an external world that we are privy to and that we can learn certain facts about like it's just there two big schools i'm not going to get too much more into it but um like too much more into like the nuances or anything but this this idea of intentionality is often factored more into the external school surprisingly um okay. as as a way to like talk about things like illusions you know go figure mm. <laughs> but um <laughs> So so like the what what's the famous um line the line illusions um you know the line one I'm talking illusions? about like the, the, the ones that we see like 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 which line is longer than the yeah, other yeah, one yeah exactly yeah yeah the one with the arrowheads i forget the, the i forget the name of that illusion there's um, a name but i i think like most people would know it's like there's two lines of the same length but one has arrows that are uh, facing out face, yeah facing uh, one has the ones that are facing in and uh, like we are uh, like we just like sort of assume to think that one of them is longer than the other just because of those additional sort of things that are yeah. denoting what so those are those are perception illusions there's another one called the color wheel which is mm. there's a wheel where it's it's divided into segments each segment is just black and white mm. no other colors on it but when you spin it fast enough it shows the rainbow mm. um and so il- so intentionality is often brought in as a way to like talk about illusions um but this kind of intentionality is more focused around how we pay attention to certain things and therefore make manifest um these these results like when we see the line illusion we focus on the lines right right like that's very clearly the the goal of the illusion but since we focus on the lines very heavily as part of the illusion because we're trying to figure out which one is longer the arrowheads have this kind of spatial effect where they mm. f- they f- they they kind of focus our attention onto the center of the line and since the arrows point inwards it looks shorter just because our attention is immediately directed like that similarly when the arrow heads face outwards it makes the line look longer when we focus our attention towards the center just mm-hmm. as a, a trick of our visual processing unit you know like our eyes the the, the kind of visual center of the brain and so on mm-hmm. um so when he talks about when he talked about you know it's all about perception and it's all about you know just believing that land is water and water is land or like changing your paradigm um it, it just made me think about philosophy of perception like it just this entire thing of intentionality and just like okay so how do we process things that we see you know how is it that my laptop looks this exact way to me but whichever state i'm in while certain other things take on different states depending on the state i'm in like i can see things differently depending on how i am or what my mental state is um so so that's one way you know just philosophy of perception a bunch of questions related to it and all of them kind of arise from this idea from illusions that miracles really are just illusions mm. and we just haven't understood how they work mm. um but yeah so philosophy of perception is one the other is this entire metaphysical idea So again in metaphysics same same split internalist externalist um in that there's the idealist school of metaphysics which is the world is internal there is no mi- there's no mind independent external world everything is a construct of the mind and that that's like a view which has fallen out it's not like very popular anymore i don't think i don't think it's that widely held anymore though i i could be mm. wrong again like i i don't really follow up on the idealist school as much cuz 
it's just a bit uh, esoteric idealist yeah it's a bit esoteric you know like i i just kind of don't know how to make sense of it well enough um and the externalist school as the name suggests says that yeah there are certain external realities about the world the 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 quibble then is what are these external realities and again huge huge debate yeah insanely complex debate that's been going on for millennia honestly like these are things that were debated by the vedic um kind of culture and so on so there's like a, a really rich literature around it um but like again the idea that illusions are very much um mind dependent but um okay wait let me rephrase that the the book says that illusions are very much us morphing the world into how we want to see it right mm. like like it's 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 very much a perception or um i won't say i i'm just going to say perception dependent for lack of a better word but it's very mm. much dependent on how we look at and conceptualize and kind of like take in the world um yeah how we decide to perceive it in a way yeah but it also but there's also a very fundamental claim made in that same book which is that there is an external world that we can affect through our mind through how we kind of see it and through how we cognize it and how we kind of interact with it cuz he right. cuz again remember donald isn't denying that there is water and there is land he's just saying their properties are very much dependent on us or their But interaction I, I, their interactional properties are dependent on us i also got the vibe though that they generally were implying that everything that you see is sort of a product of uh your mind in a way and, and so i that that leads into the third thing that this is like a very recent thing right so when i was reading okay. illusions again over like the last couple of months before i came to birmingham um first thing like that hit me was oh this is talking about panpsychism <laughs> <laughs> we're back there yeah we're back there but um so so shimoda says there's a very famous quote which is um we're all ideas of the is we're all children mm. of this one of this one so yep. so like very obviously the first thing that got me to us oh yeah we're all conscious that does like mm. not just we are all conscious everything is conscious because it is the one like it's a singular entity in mm. this sense like it, there is this sort of universal consciousness this is called i think cosmopsychism which is the view that the universe is conscious at some level mm. and everything is like part of this giant primordial consciousness and from there there are levels that kind of are abstracted basically yeah and like this never occurred to me in the many other times that i've read the book it's only over like the past couple of months when i've been delving more into philosophy of mind and cognitive science and reading more about like various theories that it hit me that oh this book can be taken in this way as well so panpsychism he so so panpsychism is not um is not contradictory with external realism that's like the, the also if, uh, uh, if for panpsychism we discuss it a bit more in detail a couple of episodes ago <laughs> yeah. in the theory of mind uh, so, episode so yeah just yeah. go sorry sorry to interrupt but go ahead i'm not i'm not like going to go too much deeper into it here obviously but um <laughs> basically like i said basic claim of panpsychism everything is conscious on a spectrum cosmopsychism everything in the universe the universe itself has a sort of primordial consciousness like debates around the nature of that and so on is not something i'm getting into here at all um but but it's not it's not contradictory with external realism so shimoda saying you know land and water are there doesn't like it doesn't contradict the fact that he says we're all just children of the is or like we're all just ideas from this one mind you know there can be an external land there can be an external water 
but those are still very much influenced by us or like we still have interactional powers over them we have control over our environment we have control over our surroundings depending on how we look at things and like how we process things which is i think like the big the big takeaway from that entire thing you know from that entire um, scene in the book you have power over everything mm. but it's just a it's just finding that power and like looking at things in a certain way or like changing your like changing your mindset or you know one all of those things but it's it's given to us through this really lovely scene you know the writing mm. is great the characters genuinely are lovable cuz like when you when you read the book it feels like richard and shimoda literally are just friends hanging out and talking but yeah. it's just that it's just that kind of friend who's like a few years older than you so he knows a mm. bit more he's like experienced a bit more but yeah. he still talks to you like you're at his same intellectual and like emotional and maturity level you know he doesn't talk down to you or anything it's just every mm-hmm. once in a while you're like oh he's lived so much more he kind of knows so much more than me about these things but it's not condescending or anything yeah, yeah. but like i, I th- there's this one one line in uh, in the book in particular which made me sort of realize that uh that they simultaneously think of the world as a real thing mm. like an external uh thing that exists that you can interact with but also that it is not real because yeah. uh, let me just read it out so there's this uh, quote from the messiah's handbook again uh, the world is your exercise book the pages on which you do your sums it is not reality although you can express reality there if you wish like yeah it's just like <laughs> like so the, the the idea that they have here is that uh you can basically like we create the world around us like based on what we want to see in a way we ha- also have the ability to just like uh f- like if you want you can just follow the rules so to speak and just keep it as normal as you want but you can also mess around yeah with this concept of the reality around you uh or the world around you you can in this book they change the physics they change how they interact with things they change what things do uh but i feel like there is something more to take beyond doing like weird illusionary mil- miracles mm-hmm. and uh rather like in a sort of like you know like a life advice type thing it's like uh you can like given a certain situation like let's say i don't know financial situation or like how much money you have it's sort of your choice on what you decide to do with the certain limitations that or like certain like uh way that your life is at this point you can choose to sort of look at it as uh good things that you decide to do like uh something that brings you happiness or you can decide to sort of like be upset with the situation you're in and be envious of someone else mm. or do something like that so like it's like those i think are the sort of like more like realistic pages of uh, of the world that you can like mess around with as uh, a product of how you decide to perceive uh, everyday situations that you're in uh, realistically like although people do believe uh, uh, in in panpsychism and stuff like that uh, i uh, i'm not going to claim that you're going to be able to yeah. levitate uh, a wrench if you think hard enough or swim through a uh, land if you th- try hard enough but yeah. there are these other things that you can truly have an effect on in your life yeah i think that's that's the that's the goal of this book right it's i mean again it's not to claim that you can perform these kinds of miracles like walking through walls or like creating symphonies from your mind kind of thing like yeah, yeah those those don't seem <laughs> intuitively possible at all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but the 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 claim is just that a lot of the situations we find ourselves in and again 
there is a real world there are real constraints there are things that we may not have complete power over such as the fundamental forces of nature and you know certain constraints about the economic system etc etc laws regulations blah 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 there are these very real external conditions but then we also have power over them in that we can kind of every situation we live in there's a certain toolkit that we can use a certain certain mindset a certain way of the tackling these problems or asking some other people for help rather than you know just your circle like there's there's so many avenues to approach any problem you have and that's like the the key takeaway i think like just like it's yeah. all on how you look at problems it's all on how you look at things okay. and and like to summarize my entire spiel right now there's another quote from the messiah's handbook what the caterpillar calls the end of the world the master calls a butterfly right. <laughs> yeah that, that was that's a great one yeah and there's just so many incredible lines i was just thinking of uh, uh the uh there's another incredible one about uh, problems that you faced it so there's no such thing as a problem without a gift for you in its hands you seek problems because you need their gifts uh so it's just like that's another thing where they're trying to bring up this thing of like any sort of difficult situation that you're put in mm. you can look at it as an experience to gain something out of it uh whether it's things to do things not to do yeah. or just understanding how the world works understanding how people work understanding uh how to set your expectations your mindset before getting into something like that there's always a lot to learn and it's just like like so there's one thing that they, that uh, the author brings up about this messiah's handbook is that it's not meant to be read linearly yeah you just open it up at random uh, essentially and whatever word the words you see are the ones that are meant for you at this current moment and as we are talking to we are essentially doing that right? we are having a conversation and we just like randomly like f- finally end up on a certain point where we're like oh wait this is relevant to what we're yeah. talking about right now <laughs> i mean they're honestly both both illusions and jonathan livingston seagull are weird books in that they do things that i don't like from self help books you know they kind of they're a bit i won't say vague but they're very much you can take anything you want out of them you know mm. like it's it's all up to how you read the books and all of that and it's it's like this kind of story and it doesn't have like a clear answer or like it doesn't set out clear rules anything like that like there are things which i like and dislike about self help books that this book does but i think the the big difference is just the method of delivery is is not like this thing of oh i have lived through so much and therefore i'm kind of like telling you this is a way to live it's it's not the kind of you know how when your dad lectures you 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 just get angry you're like don't don't <laughs> uh, lecture yeah. me you know like like yeah advise me that's fine but don't lecture me because then that feels like it feels like you're not given agency you're not given that control over your own power like mm-hmm. so self help books often feel lectury Yeah. You often feel like, you know, your dad or your uncle or someone giving you like, "Oh, I did this to get into this place when I was younger. Maybe you should try doing the same kind of thing." And I'm like, "Okay. That's yeah. fine." And then like it's more and more about that and you're like, "Dude, okay, you t- you said it once. I'll try it." But like enough, you know? Yeah. And I, then, I think the fa- the th- the the reason it sort of like didn't uh feel like that in this book is because of a combine like like there's a bunch of different ways that richard learns things through the yeah. book uh he learns uh obviously directly from what donald says sometimes uh cuz donald also like on top of the messiah's handbook is also like a trove of like a lot of very interesting comments and uh, and the way that he puts things into perspective yeah he also learns a lot from the way donald interacts with other people like other customers and other people that come and he's just like how did you do this but he's also like you can actually like uh convince a girl who's scared of heights to come in a plane and fly if you just 
do something right you know like there's yeah. a lot of things that he's and also obviously the the other miracle stuff where we learned where he's combination of learning directly from donald and also just like experimenting on his own and just picking things up and then obviously there is the messiah's handbook as well where mm. very often like he ends up like just confused in his mind and he decides to open up the book sees a quote and then like mulls on it and somehow sorts of like processes it and moves on to the next thing which is very much how we learn like we learn exactly. from yeah we learn from experience right we learn from seeing people do things we learn from doing things ourselves we learn from like reading a book and sometimes it's just at a moment you know at any moment in your life there's just something where you're stumped right like maybe you don't know which university to go to you know you've got like th- two three of your favorite or, or two three like dream colleges that you've got co- accepted into and you're just like okay but which one is which one is the one i want to go to and you just have to kind of make a decision based on that situation and on your in on like your gut there's no other way to say it right like there's there's ways that your body reads things that your mind doesn't um and like very often these bodily intuitions can be incredibly strong so yeah we we learn by like understanding these things as well like about ourselves so the messiah's handbook to me almost feels like just learning about your body intuitions and like just mm. trying to learn these these kind of cues that you get because mm. it, it it's it's not it's not exactly like you know just open the book uh, sorry yeah no it's it's like you just open the book to any page and it just kind of has a message that's relevant at that time that's mm. one way to look at it the other thing is the message may not be relevant it's just mm. what you take out of it at that situation given your like reading of it and given your intuition about that situation and like okay and and like the 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 handbook just gives you a way to like reconcile that with like your conscious yeah. kind of interpretation of things yeah yeah like that's sort of how i process it as well it's yeah. not like a magic book that perfectly gives you the right quote that you're looking for it just gives you the words to put your unspoken exactly it's like I, if you're a writer or something you might have tried writing prompts it's just yeah. something to get started with writing uh <laughs> it's yeah, in the same way the the messiah's handbook is just something to get you started on introspection and then understand the actual situation that you're trying to like deal with or the con- whatever is confusing you or you know j- just in general mm-hmm. understand the problem at hand and then come to something that uh, you are satisfied with as a solution yeah i mean it's it's just a fascinating fascinating book honestly like i i could keep speaking about it but, but like it's it's also so difficult to talk about you know mm. i just i yeah i think before before we exit there's one more uh, really fascinating thing that i wanted yeah. i feel like we use that word way too much but <laughs> there's one more uh, topic that i wanted to get into that uh, i found pretty almost like i i found it very important to as a sort of realization uh so like i mentioned earlier donald was like you know the messiah and mm-hmm. they made it seem like they're like really at that point they made it sound like they're special and they were there's like work that's given to them to sort of like spread the knowledge to people and yeah. do the miracles and like heal people or whatever and then he's just like nah i quit i'm going to go be a mechanic cuz that's what i want to do yeah uh the fact that no matter what situation you're in and it's always a valid option for you to decide to quit uh if, especially if it's something that you don't want to be doing mm. that is like a very like it's a very simple thing but it's also a very underrated but like important thing to be aware of i feel like cuz it goes hand to hand hand in hand with like you know the sunk cost fallacy and stuff like that just because you spent a certain amount of money and time and all of these things on a certain uh, path down your life doesn't, doesn't mean, mean yeah. it's too late to quit it doesn't mean it's a bad decision to quit it's okay and you can do it like that is just that was just like something it felt, felt so simple but it just like sort of blew my mind yeah the illusions was the book that gave me I won't say the strength or anything nothing that corny but it gave me like a way to 
kind of process how I was going through engineering and just like figure out okay this is something I just don't want to do anymore like yeah. I don't think I enjoy it or like I don't think I will enjoy it anymore and I don't have the strength to keep going on with it so I I quit I'm leaving mm-hmm. it I've spent 2 years I'm leaving it and I'll I'll find something more that I enjoy and like I quit engineering I came back home and on my on my whiteboard in my room my dad had written a quote from this book oh my god what the master calls the end of the world sorry what the caterpillar calls the end of the world the master calls a butterfly like my dad had written that on my whiteboard the day like i came home like oh dude god. this book has this book is has bookended so many important parts of my life and it's mm. it's a great book to have cuz i don't know i i always find comfort in it Mm. like this and Jonathan Livingston Seagull and the Little Prince to a, to another extent like all mm. three of these books like i can honestly just pick up at any time if i'm having a problem and just like go through it and there's a way in which i'll like take a teaching from it and just learn to move on you know yeah it, like yeah that that i i won't even say the self help books they're just books that offer good help because <laughs> it it it's it's what um, i think george carlin said you know if if someone gives you a book to help you that's not self help anymore that's just help mm i i think yeah these these books are actually really helpful to me like i don't know mm. this entire episode has been a bit bit of us saying i don't know and then relating stuff to like <laughs> our own experiences and so on but it's very much what the book is all about like you you don't have the words to really put into yeah you don't have the words to really say what the book does but like there's so many ways to relate to it and like learn from it and like mm. experience things around you through it it's it's an insanely powerful book yeah there's very few of these books at least that i have yeah uh, ever read and uh, yeah it's whether you completely agree with the way that things are written or not but i think that it is something uh, for pretty much everyone to uh, read and understand from this book so yeah, that's I'm sort of why we did decide to do this episode on it and there's a, there was a lot of like re- relevant things in philosophy and general life that we wanted to get to so yeah i mean this was this was our uh, bit of a literature club we might do this more often <laughs> depending yeah. on how often we start reading more <laughs> also if if any of you have recommendations on books that might be uh, interesting to go through in a similar way because uh, i have most like mostly only read science and science fiction books i've read some like fantasy and all of that as well but like i haven't and i would um, i definitely do hope to do uh, a couple of uh, these on science fiction and uh, the the concepts around that cuz there are some very fascinating things that we would be able to get into obviously dunes uh, you know on the mainstream now but a lot of other things yeah, i wrote about yeah, yeah. asimov's books and there's a bunch of things so yeah any recommendations that you think that would make sense for us to get into please Yeah please send us, uh, send us, us a message on, email um, Instagram as well at dumbdivepodcast yeah, so, and mm-hmm. uh, Twitter at dumbdive email dumbdive@gmail.com everything's super simple uh you can find like let's we have a link tree linktr.ee/dumbdive you'll find the links to everything the links to find the podcast uh if you want to share this podcast with someone that's probably the best link yeah. to share with someone cuz then they would know where to find us on everything But yeah, oh, yeah, I think I mean, hit us up with recommendations. Let us know um what other books, what other things we can talk about, you know? Yeah, but uh I think that's that's kind of it for this episode because there's a lot more to talk about illusions, but it's it's also just a really really difficult thing to put into words. Some of these books you try and talk about it for an hour and then it's like, yeah, but you have to experience the book first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 
Yeah, anyway, like since we've like we've only got into like three or four things out of probably like a hundred that we would yeah. want to get into in, in this book, there's still a lot of room for anyone who hasn't read it to experience it. And I want to go, get back into this. Like I've just finished reading it a, month, a, a week or two ago. So I, I can definitely see myself getting into this again in a few months or a year or so. Yeah, it's, yeah. But anyway, until until that time, <laughs> this is our uh, <laughs> goodbye to illusions. And uh, yeah, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>